Amazon and Thrive Market. And then we have a few small yeah. specialty retailers, mostly outside of the US. So we'll be getting into more as we move forward. But right now- What was that like? Um, so you guys launched, what, did you launch with big plans for physical locations or did you launch with big plans for direct yeah. to consumer? The plan was always direct to consumer and eventually go into retail. One of the things okay. we did was um, when we launched, we had to pivot some of our, our products. Mm -hmm. uh, we, had, we had a hand sanitizer that we were planning to launch in 21. Um, it was already formulated and just better for you product. Everything that we do at Wellness is creating really high quality products um, it, with the best ingredients you can find. Um, products that are better for you. Because what you put on your body, you're putting in your body. Mm -hmm. And most hand sanitizer, it dries you out because it's all alcohol based. Well, ours is as well. We've added additional herbs and things like that. So it is moisturizing as well as um, just, just cleansing and not drying out. So we had planned to launch that in a spring of or winter of 2021. But then when COVID happened, um, mm. we were about to launch a dry shampoo and we couldn't get some of our components, like our cardboard tubes, our composable cardboard tubes because of the supply chain issues. So we had to pivot and we launched the hand sanitizer instead. And so that was when couldn't find it and everything. And so that was, that did really well. And it also almost got our Shopify store shut down. <laughs> 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 because they reached out and said, you are price gouging because I mean, it's a higher price oh. product. It was, it was 10, 10 bucks um, a bottle, I think. And I was like, are you kidding me? Price gouging? We have the worst margins on this of any of our product. Look at this. Look at the ingredients we're using. And we're using glass um, tubes or glass bottles that are recyclable or reusable as well. And so after mm -hmm. I sent all this info, um, they're like, okay, it's fine. But I'm like, you're telling me you're going to make a unilateral decision that you're going to shut down our company because you think that we're price gouging. And wow. that. so, yeah, it's interesting to see when companies, publicly traded companies nonetheless, are trying to make a value decision on your business when they know nothing about it. So that was, that was right. <laughs> oh, it makes it hard. Okay, that's interesting. So, I mean, a lot of people got into that space because of the incident, but you're saying that you guys were already, that was already on your roadmap to launch. That was on our roadmap. Here. It was just, we had to, we had to speed it up because it was, we had planned to launch that in like a year later um, or less than a year. And then COVID happened, which we had no idea that was coming down the pipe. And so we just pivoted. And so um, wow. we launched our dry shampoo um, six months later, I guess. So when did the idea for um, the second business, Rewild Gear, <clears throat> when, were you, when was that incubated? Oh, man, that was over a decade ago. That was me and my really? brothers. Yeah, that was me oh. and my brothers sitting around a campfire, drinking bourbon and comparing knives. And <laughs> we've always been gearheads and just um, love the outdoors. And so we're just comparing our knives and asking the question, if you were going to design your own, what would it look like? What would you do differently than the knife you have on your or knives because we, we all had multiple knives with us yeah um you know just sitting there drinking bourbon chatting telling stories whittling or whatever and so we kind of had this idea of one day we'll make our own knives we'll create our own knife company and then when covid rolled around i had this realization that uh with all the lockdowns and everything the one thing that people could do is still get in nature and go camping and hunting and you know because you're you're isolated you're you're in nature you're away from people and like there's no time like the present to start it to actually push this thing forward and create it. So yeah. um, we did that. And then uh, we launched in August of 21. Nice. So you and your brothers, you're you're stuck in the wilderness for the rest of your life. Who's the last man standing? Oh, that's definitely me. All right. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. 
Hey, what's up? And welcome into Vision Pros Live. I'm your show host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business. I'm excited to have Seth Spears on today. We're going to be talking about sustainability, entrepreneurship, quality over quantity with a gentleman who has a, uh, a direct-to-consumer store called Wellness, as well as Rewild Gear, one of them in, in the, well, both of them in physical product space and with missions that overlap um, for what I would call he's not gonna like this word, but self-care. Uh, when I say that, taking care of ourselves, uh, making sure that we're living holistically, that we're paying attention to both what we need in the world, as well as the world itself. Um, and I think it's really cool and inspiring. So we're going to get into that in just a minute. Um, but before we do, always to help those of you who are in your growth processes, we use cold click for LinkedIn automation. Um, and this helps us get in front of excellent people just like Seth. Um, on a daily basis, and it ensures that my systems never, I mean, one thing about having automation in place is it never gets sick. Um, the internet could go down, I guess, um, you know, and, and then pretty much everything that you're doing in the digital marketing space is going to also struggle. But we have a very consistent flow of leads <clears throat> and people who either want to work with us or want to come onto our show thanks to this process. It also builds up our brand awareness and our followership and our reach. Um, and, and that's really one of those things that uh, you just you got to keep building consistently, reliably, be out in the market, showcase what you're up to, and it can lead to amazing things in addition to fine-tuning the message that allows people to warm up to you and say, huh, this person is intriguing, they're inviting, they, they have an attractive profile. You really want to work on those things before you go straight for the conversion. And I see most people, and this, this hurts my heart, most of the entrepreneurs I see out there they're using these very wild, um, tenacious, aggressive messages that some conversion expert has taught you to use. And the bulk of your best leads, the ones who know what you're doing, are avoiding you and saying, no, I don't, I don't really want to work with this person who's just trying to manipulate me into a business transaction. So be aware of that, um, you know, and consider maybe backing off a little bit and starting over with something like, hi, how are you? That would be far better than trying to force case studies down people's throat in most cases. All right. Simply Fast Websites. Shane Michael built this. When I saw it, I was like, man, I wish I had found someone like somebody like him back in the day. He's in websites starting $179. If I was starting over from scratch right now, I didn't have a team. I didn't know what, where to go. That's one of the first places I'd go is see if I could if I could find out from him what he's doing for those $179. And he'd probably win the bid. I wouldn't waste any time on Squarespace anymore or on Wix or on Weebly or on WordPress. I kind of dated myself there, um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't waste time building the website. I'd go out into the market and talk to people about my solutions and what I'm up to. Um, that's productivity leads to profitability. Being busy with things like trying to build a website that you're going to change anyway, being busy leads to being broke. So it's very important to be doing the right things. That's one of those great tips that can help a lot of you entrepreneurs with. Try to avoid micromanaging your website and move right into your service model and, and how to create something of high quality. And again, Seth Spears is going to be talking with us about just that too. The Water Project. <clears throat> I will always talk about The Water Project or something similar on this show. We've been talking about The Water Project for two years now. And the big reason why is because I have not seen an organization that is easier for me to catch the vision of supporting. There are millions of people in this world who don't even have access to clean drinking water. And that's one of our base needs when you look at something like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. 
you haven't heard of that, I highly recommend checking it out. It can be very influential in knowing how to assist and help people transpire and achieve their best life. But these individuals, you know, you notice these kids on the screen right now, they're celebrating water as though it were Christmas day. Um, and while that's a beautiful reality and, and I'm, I'm glad that they have that sense of gratitude, it also hurts my heart to think about my own kids. And if my own kids had to celebrate that much just for having water in their life. So if you're in a position to where you can, you can contribute to that, please do. And you're going to get a no notification and updates from them <clears throat> about what's going on with the project, what's being built, as well as the completion of the project. You get to see these lives transformed. If you're not in a position to donate, then we ask that you just share that information with somebody else who might be able to. And that could be a, a, a full on share for your group. That could be tagging somebody, a specific person that you know also aligns with that type of mission. If you are passing through difficult times or you know somebody who is and you've got a different cause to support, then we also recommend dropping that in the comments. We want to create a community of people who are open to sharing with each other and helping each other out. And we uh, we want to support your missions as well. So without further ado, let's dive into Seth Spears' background a little bit. Um, my uh, my LinkedIn page is not loading properly, um, so I won't be I won't be sharing his uh, his exact story on LinkedIn. But you will have the access to share uh, his his story on LinkedIn in our show notes to see where he comes from. I always love to see where entrepreneurs come from, what it is that they did in the past that led them to where they are today. Um, but without further ado, let's just bring the man on stage and talk to him about. His actual uh, current current company is Richard Branson. Um, all right, Seth, good to have you on the show, man. Thanks, Jackson. You know, something you said when you were talking about one of the ads that just really struck with me. I actually jotted a note down here. Being busy leads to being broke. Hmm. I'm going to be thinking about that quite a bit over the next uh, few days because that's really interesting because I do find myself being very busy at times and not always doing those things that are the most focused or that are best serving of me and my businesses. So thank you for uh, bringing that up and giving me some food for thought there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Cynthia, thank you for saving the day. Uh, she's got that LinkedIn profile pulled up that will not load on my screen. Um, mm -hmm. So anybody who's watching in, of course, you'll be able to, to scroll along and look through that. Anybody who's listening, you can see that later. Uh, you know, Seth, that, that quote is one that I, it's one of those quotes that I like to remember regularly. Um, you know, it's so easy in, in the world of, of abundance mm -hmm. to be busy, um, you know, yes. to, to end up doing what is good or what is comfortable versus what is great and what is driving my growth forward. Um, so I appreciate your humility on that. Uh, you, you are also, um, you know, from what I've, what I've learned about you, we've had two conversations and both conversations, you've been super on point, very clear about what it is that you do. Um, so I'd say you, you live this productivity thing quite well, but definitely don't sit back on rest on your laurels as they say, <laughs> because I'm, I'm complimenting you. I know you won't. You. So who, who should be listening today? Who do you think is going to get the most out of this conversation? And Seth, based on you know your background, do me a favor, interlace some of what you can't see online about mm -hmm. you into the reality of, of why we're talking about sustainability, quality, and entrepreneurship. Oh man, that's a great question. Um, at my core, I'm a big picture thinker. I connect dots. I'm always looking for meaning and how do we do things? What drives us? What, what pushes us as people, as humanity forward? Um, 
my motto for most of my life has been quality over quantity. And I want the best. I, I want to work with the best people, the highest quality ones, those who are doing amazing things. And so that's kind of everything that I've done over the years is to look at what's the long-term outcome and not just the short-term way to make money or to get something. Um, I've been called a Renaissance man uh, just because I have so many varied interests and I always have. When I was a child, I read through the entire encyclopedia from cover to cover just because I was so just fascinated with wonder about the world. Wow. Um, you know, what, what makes me tick? Um, what makes people tick and who they are. And so I just have this fascination and curiosity with the natural world, with business, with, with people and the human condition. Um, and for a long time, I got away from that just, and I think that was some of the projections based on culture, society, religion, family, just, okay, this is what we should do. This is the path you should go on. And over the past few years, as I, I went through a divorce and massive life changes and just rediscovering who I am at my core, what makes me me? What is intrinsic? What is true to my very being, my inner child? And letting that come forth to figure out where am I going in this next iteration of Seth? And that just gets back to my core of just curiosity uh, and quality and just mm. connecting with people and learning more about them and how can I be of service and value. Love that. When uh, when CNN or Fox <clears throat> get a hold of this interview and they decide to twist what you said with a headline that's going to read, it's going to read, religion pulls man away from encyclopedia. Oh, so, <laughs> all right. what are you doing? So, what's your vision for those that you serve? My vision for those that I serve is yeah. be a light to look at things differently to get outside of the very narrow worldview that most people have. Uh, it's very easy in business, in family life, and so many things. We're so inundated by being busy, you know, um, by everything that we have going on to just focus on one thing. We get tunnel vision in a lot of ways. And so my vision for those is to take a step back. Let's slow down and let's look at a top-down approach to everything. How can we think outside the box? How can we think differently? How can we connect dots that other people aren't seeing to create a better world, to create better products and services, better families, just a better environment in all that we do? I like that. And uh, <clears throat> let's talk about your vision a bit. Um, so what does your vision look like on the horizon? Yeah. My vision is to continue to create amazing quality products that are better for you. Um, so for example, my company, Wellness, we make all natural personal care products that are better for you. We use the cleanest ingredients. Um, we're B Corp certified. We are really pushing the envelope as far as sustainability goes with our packaging because we use um, compostable packaging. And so we want to make sure that everything that we're putting on our body is perfectly safe because what you put on your body, put in your body, that all of our packaging and everything that we use is better for the environment uh, because we are doing so much destruction um, on that end to we're extracting and just not looking at that long-term vision, at that long-term picture of, of how is everything that we're doing affecting ourselves and the natural world. Um, mm -hmm. The consulting that I do to work with 
conscious entrepreneurs who are making a difference, who want to create the best quality products and service, who have a bigger vision than just making money, that they want to make a difference. They want to serve others as well. And how can I be a light um, and create a positive impact on every person that I come in contact with? That's awesome. Um, I want to dive in a little bit deeper on something that caught me. You said you, uh, as part of your vision, it, you really like the product creation process. Um, and yeah. that's unique. Um, unique and it's inventor style almost. Talk to me about that. I've never thought of myself as a natural creative. If you give me a blank canvas and say, create something, I, I draw a blank. I'm like, uh, I don't know where to start. What I'm good at is spotting patterns of pulling from here and here and combining things into something much better. Something that, um, there's already, there's already an example of a product that I like, but I can see how it could be better. Um, do you remember that commercial, um, BASF? We don't make a lot of the products you buy. We make a lot of the products you buy better. And that's mm -hmm. always struck with me as that's kind of what I do is not creating an entirely new thing where I just conceptualize it, but taking things and how can it be improved upon and maybe pulling from other industries and things and just alchemizing it into something that is much better than what was already there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, some people <clears throat> would use the, uh, the R and D term rip off and duplicate, um, as, as an example of, of what you're doing there. But at the mm -hmm. same time, when you look more holistically, right, mm -hmm. Goodrich, they didn't invent the wheel. Um, mm -hmm. right. Uh, Firestone didn't invent the Michelin didn't invent the wheel. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're taking, you're seeing an opportunity to optimize and you're following through, which is what really surprises me about that. When I was, when I was in kindergarten, this is going way back to pager days. I was in, I was in the mall and I saw this kid run around he was, he was looking at this pager over and over. Probably just thought he's really cool, you know, going back and forth, looking at this pager and I'm sitting on a bench waiting for my sisters to probably got up like Victoria's secret or something. Um, <laughs> and so there he's, he's going back and forth and I just had it dawn on me. I said, those little car clickers, right? What if somebody was breaking into our car right now? We would have no idea. Why not send a signal to the car clicker that beeps like mm -hmm. a pager so that we would know that something's happening. We could take action immediately and like call the police, um, you know, or go and see what's happening. Yeah. And it, it blew my mind. That was in 1993 um, that to this day, <laughs> we still don't have clickers that do that. I'm like, an opportunity. heck, I know I should have, I should have pursued it. I'm busy and other things, but that's, let's see the reality though. The difference in me is I like to think about concepts like that. Mm -hmm. I like to, I like, to, I don't, I don't really do the physical product thing. You've taken physical products and you've, you've actually turned them into solutions kind of like a chef and, and, and like an inventor. Um, so do you mind walking us through that process? What does that look like? Yeah. Well, I really got my start in digital marketing. So it was on the digital side, um, both in content creation and and marketing and finding new ways to get information out there and mm -hmm. then products as well. Um, and then it just kind of evolved into the physical product space. Um, there's something that's just fascinating about creating something from scratch, you know, the tangibility of something that you can touch and you can feel and you can hold and smell. Hmm. So um, yeah, true. my my process though is like if there's a product that I like or a product that, so for Rewild Gear, um, when I started that, that process 
was how that got started was me and my brother sitting around a campfire drinking bourbon and comparing knives. And we were just asking the question, what do we like about this knife that we have? And mm -hmm. we all had a different one. What do we like? What do we not like? What features is it missing? How would you improve upon it? And so it's just an iterative process of asking those questions. How could this be better? What would you do to grow and improve it? And the same with wellness, um, seeing that there were so many personal care products on the market that worked really well, but the ingredient quality was not very good. And so what you put on your body, you're putting in your body. So if you are using products or ingredients that are unhealthy for you, well, that's going to have a long-term side effect, a negative side effect. So how could this be improved and what can we use that people aren't using? Maybe because it, the cost is higher and they're other companies are just looking at how can they maximize profits, but they're not looking at what's best for you or the packaging or materials because it's cheaper, but it's worse mm. for the environment. So it's just asking the questions of what could, how could we do things differently? What is not being done and where is there an opportunity? Because if I'm asking these questions then probably others are too. And I think the difference is that I'm willing to take action on it where others aren't. Absolutely. So in the product creation phase, um, pulling these ingredients together, sourcing and all that, is that something that you get involved with or do you have that delegated? Yeah, that's so I am not a formulator. Um, I actually started this company with my ex-wife and she, we had another company together um, called wellnessmama.com, which I use when I ran a boutique digital marketing agency and I mm -hmm. used that website that I uh, convinced her to start. Uh, she was a uh, she was a journalism major, journalist and uh, nutritionist. And so um, it was kind of like her passion, just researching health and wellness topics for our family. And I convinced her to start a blog, um, just documenting that. And so I used that site that I built out for her as a testing ground for my paying clients. And just it grew and grew and became like the major thing. And so we leveraged that all the, we had a lot of DOI personal care products that she had created in our kitchen. And the audience really liked them, but they got tired of making it themselves. And so mm -hmm. because of that, we saw an opportunity of uh, creating products and selling them to an audience that we already had. And so that made it wow. very easy than just creating something entirely from scratch and trying to, uh, trying to sell them something or trying to find an audience. And in full transparency, that has been a major challenge with Rewild Gear because I went into an industry that I did not already have an audience. And so trying to gain um, new customers just with cold traffic or right. um, for an industry that I didn't have past experience in, that's been a much more challenging process than in the health and wellness space. Absolutely. <clears throat> I'm going to, I'm going to dig into that, that personal side a little more. So are you and are you and your ex still working on wellness together? So we, um, we both have a financial stake in both businesses. Um, she's not actively involved on the wellness side. I'm not actively involved on the wellness mama side. Um, but we still have a great co-parenting and working relationship. We just separated things out. I just want a class for you for that. I, I really, I know how hard that is. Um, and, and we won't dive into the details, mm -hmm. but just the fact that y'all are trying, um, you know, is something to absolutely honor, man. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. There is, there is hope for any, any divorcees out there who are going through the struggles. I think this goes back to one of the, the keywords we were talking about titles before this. And one of the big things you wanted to hit on was the importance of being kind. Um, and, you know, so before we go into the worst leadership experience ever, mm -hmm. 
Do you mind just talking about your dedication to kindness and, and why that's so important to you? Yeah, you know, that's something that um, I've had to learn a lot over the years. Um, Me too. I, I throw <laughs> myself in there real fast because yeah. it's not my favorite attribute. I wasn't necessarily raised in a family environment that was kind. Um, there was a lot of black and white thinking and projection as far as what one should do or right mm -hmm. and wrong, good and bad. And as I've grown up, I've realized that most of the world is a lot of gray, not just black and white. Okay. And then when I, went, when I went through divorce and the hardest thing I've ever gone through and just massive heartbreak. And when that happens, you can either get better or get better. And I've used that to um, transform me into a much better person. And so one of the things that I have established for myself is rules for life. How do I want to live? And there's four rules as of right now that could change and evolve, but it's yeah. be kind, be curious, have fun, and don't waste. And so kindness is the first one. How can we be kind to everyone we can do? You can have boundaries. You can have standards. You can make those known to people you're working with or family or whatever. But just do it kindly. You don't have to be an asshole, you know? Right. Um, be curious. I'm intrinsically curious about everything. And I think that just goes back from an early age when I learned to read and just would read everything that I could get my hands on because I just wanted to learn. I wanted to know how does the world work? Where is What is truth? Where is truth? Um, what? What makes things tick? What makes people tick? And so just that intrinsic curiosity informs everything that I do in life about products, about people, about business, et cetera. Um, yeah. Have fun. I think it's very easy to, as children, that's what we're all about. Let's have fun. What's fun? What, 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 what do we enjoy? And as adults, mm -hmm. we get away from that. And that's why we get bored, why we hate our jobs, why we do all these things that we think we're supposed to do, but we don't actually enjoy it. What if we got rid of that? What if we changed the paradigm and just looked at things? Am I having fun with this? Am I curious? And if you're being curious, I think that's where fun comes from because then you're learning and growing and exploring. And then the, the last one is don't waste. We do so much of that in our modern world. We're so wasteful with our time for one. Time is the most precious asset we have. It's the only one that we cannot get more of. We can always make more money. We can always sleep and get more energy. We can't get more time. And we don't know how much time that we have on this earth. So let's not waste it. Let's make the most of every moment we have. And so don't waste time or resources. And I think this is one of the things as Americans that we are the most guilty of is wasting resources. Just we buy the cheapest thing and just throw it out. We don't think long-term. We are just looking at everything is is throwawayable. You know, we live in a microwave culture where we just want the thing and then we just waste. So how can we be more long-term thinking, more sustainable and not waste time or resources? So be kind, be curious, have fun and don't waste. I like that. I also love your holistic approach to that. That's, that's a big piece of, <clears throat> of following that recipe the right way. Again, not meaning to box people in with the right way, wrong way or project. But if we take a step back and we look at what you just mentioned about, about not going after that fast and easy solution, fast and easy solutions are marketed to us all over the place. And when they're, you know, when you're marketing, your goal is to portray something as exciting or fun or something that creates pleasure, removes pain. Um, and we can become very manipulated very 
quickly into thinking what we're doing is fun, mm-hmm. even though it's just been accepted into us, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna use a couple of examples. One, Matthew Perry recently passed away. Um, you know, we don't know what happened there. Yeah, I do know that he struggled tremendously with with abuse, uh, substance abuse. Um, I do know that he struggled tremendously with depression. Um, and then there's Robin Williams going back much, much further, who was probably one of the funnest people on the planet. Um, you know, in terms of being labeled as such, I don't think anybody would ever say he wasn't fun. Um, and inspired so many of us. I had a friend in high school, <clears throat> super depressed, known as a comedian, would get up on stage, he'd sing anything to blah, blah, blah. And one of the most, again, depressed, but fun people. Yet, his fun was so disconnected from happiness and he couldn't see that he saw it as a synonym he saw it as the exact same thing he's, and i when i said man you know this doesn't make you happy he's like he's like what are you talking about it's exactly what fun is um he responded in the most unhappy voice I've probably ever heard um and i felt bad for him because yeah. he wasn't catching it yet right later in life thank goodness he started to catch the difference and the available uh, what, what's available for both so I would just I would just throw throw down a new color and shade for the audience on exactly what you're talking about. Fun's fantastic when you're doing the right things for fun, right? The things that actually drive a good, positive, productive, sustainable energy within yourself, and you you seem to have that locked in. So, uh, you know what? Maybe maybe I'm wrong on this. Like, I mean, do you spend a ton of time? doing drugs and, and binge drinking in order to have fun? Um, or what does fun look like to you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I have gone down multiple different paths over my life. Um, I've never been like, what is a drug? You know, that's a much better. Right. Oh, well said Netflix. Right. Yeah. That's, I I mean, so I think the bigger question here is addiction. Yeah. What are you addicted to? And someone could do drugs, but they are using that in a responsible manner that is actually helping their growth and evolution. For example, psychedelics. Now, mm-hmm. granted, if you're doing that every day, then there may be a problem there. There may be an addiction. If right. you're doing that, say, once a month in like a closed container, like a journey capacity where you're using that to grow and evolve and learn, is that a problem? I don't think so. So right. I think it's changing the question here. Um, well said. I, I have always loved to party. You know, I, in college, I was the guy that was the first one at the bar and the last one to leave. And I, okay. I drank quite a bit, you know? Yeah. Um, but then I would also not drink for like a week at a time. Um, and so never had an issue there. Um, but I just like to have fun. And so I've also loved the outdoors. I mean, if there's an, if there's a sport, I'm playing it. If there's a ball, count me in. Let's I'm competitive. I love to win. And so, and I also hate to lose. So things that I do for fun are moving my body, being active, you know, doing, teaching my kids, playing sports, going skiing, backpacking, hunting. Um, I find fun just in spending time with people and learning about them, having deep conversations, brainstorming about business, traveling. I think fun can be found in many different ways. If there's only one or two things that we like to do for fun, that feels kind of limiting to me. I have such a myriad of interest and those just keep expanding. Um, And so it's just being curious and trying new things and being interesting and interested. 
I love that. I love so much about what you said. The most, the mo thing that draws my attention the most is the fact that <clears throat> I use a fairly polarizing example, um, right? And and you managed to find the harmony and balance, and that and that just feels right to me. And that's usually what I'm looking for in life is what yeah. draws harmony and balance. Um, well done, Seth. Uh, let's let's move into that worst leadership experience. So, mm. what's the worst leadership experience you've ever had? You've ever been a part of? You've ever seen? Go uh, in any direction with this. Go ahead. You, now you got it. Yeah, great. So let me let me give two examples. One from when um, it was passed on to me, and then mm -hmm. one where I was in the leadership capacity. Mm -hmm. So the last real job that I had, I was working at a university, and the president of the university had called me into the office about something. Um, I don't want to get into a whole lot of the specifics, but there was an accusation that was made against me that was entirely false. Um, it was nothing big. It was just some minor little thing about moving um, up some decorations around or something. And I had uh, mentioned, yeah, I moved this or it was not a big deal. And I was talking with one of the other principals um, at the school and I got blamed for something and made to feel vastly inferior, like there was something wrong with me. And I'm asking the question, what did I actually do wrong? And was there some bigger issue here? And like, well, you didn't ask. Like, okay, and why did I need to ask about this? It seems like such a minor thing. And it came from a very wounded and controlling person. And, and this individual, um, she came from a very privileged past and was very much in her masculine. And mm -hmm. there was no sense of humility or anything. It was just trying to, I'm the, I'm the leader, I'm the boss, and you're going to do what I say. And I don't care what you have to say or the questions that you're asking. And I learned what not to do then. There was mm -hmm. no example of servant leadership. And so I'd say that was one of the worst leadership experiences that I've personally been a part of or experienced. And then for myself, um, with the company that I was involved with, my ex-wife, um, we got involved in a competition. It was an affiliate competition where um, we're promoting someone else's um, products or services. And then, um, you know, we promoted a lot of products or services that were a fit for the audience. And that was what we always did. And then we promoted one. It was a book launch. And it wasn't necessarily the best fit for the audience. And so... We over-promoted that. And so we had a lot of people that unsubscribed from the audience. And then there was pushback and it caused some additional issues downstream and from with the person who whose product we were promoting because we had a retraction. And so it caused all kinds of issues, both with our audience, both with friends. And what came up for me there was that just because you can do something doesn't mean you should and you don't have to win at all costs if it's not in the best fit for everyone so let's be transparent let's communicate better and take that feedback to heart and not just keep pushing through because because we want to win so interesting think, yeah so i think that really taught me to look even more long term and ask those questions and make right. sure that that it's a fit for everyone involved with what we're doing. Yeah, I hear that as being one of the catalysts. Um, you know, you you learn from your own um, <clears throat> your own your own failed experiences, right? Where you failed your your own heart yeah. um, in terms of like what you wanted to do, and that now you're the guy talking about quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's it's cool to see you 
make, make that shift. Um, go ahead. And, you know, as part of that, what I realized was that when I neglect, neglect my own intuition, that's when things go awry because that was something that happened because I'm like, oh, this is what we should do. I'm paying attention from my head. In order to make a good decision, it takes three things. You got to listen to your head, your heart, and your gut. And if those aren't in alignment, then the answer is probably no. And, you know, that was an example of, you know, just paying attention to the head, but not the heart and not the gut. And so everything that I do now in business and relationships, it's looking at all three of those aspects and making sure it. that you're in alignment. It's huge. That's a big principle for us as well. We talk about, I always, <laughs> I always say that the, you know, if you're more feminine, you're going to call it your heart. If you're more masculine, you're going to call it your gut. Um, you know, and so I like that you just combine the three. Um, I'm yeah. like, no, all, all three of these are part of the same. Um, so that's good. Let's well, that talk comes about, from a lot of therapy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, uh, most of us need it. Um, you know, and, and most of us benefit from what, what most people that have never done therapy before or haven't gone that route is, you're just missing out on another set of mentorship, mm -hmm. right? You're missing out on an opportunity to, to gain more clarity on communication from a coach who's willing to help with you. So Agreed. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Um, what's your best leadership experience ever? What's that look like? Hmm. So the best one that I personally experienced, um, that was the last boss that I had, like the direct boss at that same university who was my oh. direct overhead. Um, she just consistently showed an example of servant leadership. She was not willing to ask someone under her to do anything that she wasn't willing to do herself. And she was, I, a specific example is not coming to mind, but it was just that everything that she did and how she lived her life, um, and in contrast to her boss, who was the one who I set an example of very poor leadership. So, and so my direct boss, she ended up leaving just because of how she was treated as well. Hmm. So again, it was a, in stark contrast, yeah. um, in my own life, as far as my own leadership, um, leadership is something that I'm constantly learning and how to be more conscious in everything that I do and how I lead, um, giving my team the autonomy to make decisions and not micromanaging, but having an open door where they can ask questions and receiving feedback constructively and not taking it personally. So I'm having a hard time of coming up with a very specific example of something that I've done where I felt like I did a great job of it. Um, I think that's a better question for some of the team. Maybe I agree with that. That yeah. makes sense. Uh, I think it's great. You honored your boss. Um, you gave us a great one. You gave us some principles as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, what better way? Anybody who's listening in that's evaluating, uh, potentially working with Seth as well. Um, you know, when they say reference check, um, you know, uh, there's so many entrepreneurs who skip that stage when they're hiring somebody and they don't call the references, which is a travesty in most cases. And you also have an opportunity as the person being hired to do a reference check. And sometimes the best way to do that is to call existing employees as well as former employees. Um, and thank goodness with social media and all that, you have so much more access to being able to find information when you're considering different opportunities. Um, Seth, if this is your last opportunity to share a powerful lesson, this was it for, for visionaries so they could learn from your experience, what would it be? Wow, that's a powerful question.
I would say question your assumptions. Any assumptions that we have about in our business, in our life, in our relationships, be more curious. Ask the hard questions. Can we do things completely differently that could change the world, that could change ourselves? What can we do that can affect more people in a positive way? And so don't just go with the status quo. Don't just look at what our competitors are doing. But how can we think outside the box and take examples from other industries that we can apply into our own industry so that it can make a drastic difference and it may piss off some people and that's okay because you stand for everything, you stand for nothing. Hmm. So I think it's just taking a bigger approach to it and looking at things way different than how everyone else is. I love the idea of, of questioning our assumptions. Um, I've been, I've been very much focused on that over the last probably two years or so. And, and you also said earlier too, that you're constantly learning about leadership, you know, as am I, like I'm, I'm, I've got so much to learn in relation to how to guide and, and, and lead people the, and, and including myself with the assumptions. Um, I have had three different guests who came onto our show. All three of them, I just, I said this feeling, they're not going to like this. They're not going to like me, not going to get along with me. They're already hating this process. This is getting so awkward. And they're three of my favorite episodes. Wow. Three people who became like really good friends. And I was like, wow. You know, I I was completely off on this. And then there's that flip side. I've had a few that I thought were going to be amazing. And then I thought we're really going to enjoy the process. And they didn't very much Mm -hmm. like the process. Um, and so as I've, as I've learned to step back and give people space and not make those assumptions that I know how that experience is going to turn out, um, it, it makes more. And, and by the way, because of that too, the three who didn't have the best experience, we still had a solid relationship because yeah. they didn't allow my assumptions to, to ruffle the feathers further. I was able to step back, um, right. And make space for the, the indifference that may have occurred. Um, you know, yeah. so I love your, your example on that. I think it is one of those big power lessons that only comes from somebody who's willing to slow down. Like, you yeah, said too. So, you know, something along those lines, um, I, th- and this is a lesson that I need to learn more and more of is how much the weight of, ex- of expectations can is really the cause of most unhappiness, discomfort, and anxiety. And, you know, I'm just as guilty as everyone else around this of making, making assumptions of setting expectations and getting tied into that outcome. And so that's been my learning process and my work is how can I release those expectations and still push forward for those things that I want or desire, but not be so tied into it so that I'm not willing to accept what is and just be open to new experiences, to be open to the exploration of things and not just saying it has to be this way and then being upset when it's not. Okay. This is probably my favorite segment of all my shows right now, Seth. I'm, and I'm, I don't go the hyperbole route very often. Like this Mm -hmm. is so important to me. Shakespeare said it. Expectation is the root of all heartache. And I'm a big, big fan of that quote. We live in a business world right now where expectations are what drive almost every decision too. And I need more leaders like you mm-hmm. in the world because we, we need to help them understand there's a massive difference between letting, like when you let go of expectations, 
you can still have aspirations and goals and hope yeah. and holistic growth. In fact, it will come more often because you're not putting a vice grip on the experience. So you just nailed it. And I hope more business owners start to look at it because we got quarterly expectations and expectations laced into everything. And yet we wonder why we have a 96% failure rate and a 4% survival rate in business. We're out of balance with virtue in that regard. So I think that's a base of it. Thank you for hitting that. Um, sorry to steal the thunder on it, but I'm like doubling down because I'm like, I want this talked about more. It's never talked about. And even when it is, people shy away from it too quickly. They don't They don't want to hear, don't have expectations, right? They, they hear, don't be successful. Often success isn't what we expect it to be. It doesn't look like the assumptions or the expectations that we have. Often the best ideas, they came out of something else entirely. Like how many companies that have grown and seen massive success, it was based on a pivot and a totally different business model than what they originally had gone into it as. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, I had an experience over the summer. Um, uh, it was a psychedelic trip and my, my ethos, I love adventure. I just love exploring and discovering new things. But then there's also this need in me to control, to want to know the outcome. And I'm a planner and to make sure everything is set in stone. And I had this realization that those can't live in the same world. Mm. You can plan and you can do those things. But if you have to know the outcome in advance, then there is no adventure because the nature of adventure right. is the unknown. And so when you're trying to make everything known beforehand, then the fun and the adventure is gone. And so it's letting go of that need to know and control and to just being open to the exploration and the adventure of it. And then that's where the excitement and the joy and everything lives. That's all. You know what it reminds me of? <clears throat> We've talked about it a couple of times, Richard Branson and his surfing, right? Because uh, when you're surfing, you don't control the outcome, right? You're trying yeah. to catch the wave. And then it's, it's a very much a flow state of improvisation, you know, of where you go, what you do with it. You don't always make the right decision. Um, but there's, there's so many realities in business where that's what that that's kind of the state you want to be in. I shouldn't, I'm not gonna say you have to, you can get swallowed by the wave. Um, you know, you, you can yeah. fail to catch the wave too. That's, that's, it comes back to letting go of that expectation, right? That I'm going to be the Kelly Slater, you know, on this <laughs> wave, um, you know, without having put in the 20,000 reps, uh, right? Yeah. You've got to, you know, if you're going to get the type of experience that you want to have, you got to be willing to flow with it um, as much as you, you want to plan it out. So, yeah, I, I think another example of that, um, I love Last one. I always want to keep going with you. I keep baiting <laughs> you. I keep baiting you into moving forward. I know we're going to wrap That's up. That's okay. I'm here for it. One more time. Yeah. You know, one of my very favorite activities is camping. Just strapping on a backpack, going into the backcountry, and just spending time in nature. And I think one of the reasons is it's the unknown. Around every trail, around every corner, you see something new and beautiful and amazing. Like, look at how that tree's growing. Oh, my gosh. I wonder what caused it to do that. Look at these rocks. Right. Is that a fossil? It's the unknown. Mm -hmm. It's that example that we're seeing. And so for Rewild Gear, our mission is to get more men back into the great outdoors, to spend time in nature, to disconnect from technology in this digital world that we live in and get more analog, to reconnect with our souls, 
to spend time with family and friends in the great outdoors. And so that we can think differently without having those constant dopamine hits from our notifications from our phones and computer and everything else. And so we can just drop in into that more natural space and in that heart space and um, just learn more about ourselves and the natural world so that we can protect it. But then also it's my belief that when we do that, when we disconnect from technology and get back into that analog natural world in which we were all born into, that when we do go back into the default world, then we're better humans. You know, we're better husbands, fathers, business owners, mm -hmm. friends, lovers, everything. We're just better people because we're more connected with everything. Well said, man. All right. There's been so many great entrepreneurship lessons in here, Vision Pros. Sustainability is a long-term mindset. You know, if you feel like we didn't talk about that, it's because it's not a 45-minute opportunity. <laughs> It's something that you dedicate yourself to, according to, to what Seth said, according to my own humble beliefs as well. And quality over quantity is a pretty simple concept to be able to master. It's that dedication to uh, to value versus the need to, to to rush things out and to hustle things out. Um, make sure that, you know, making sure that we take care of ourselves, making sure that we take care of others in the process. This was awesome. The landing page will have more information for how to connect with Seth. You can, of course, um, go and get products with wellness and rewild gear through those links um, or go look it up on Google um, and, and find them as well. If you want to share your own vision on Vision Pros Live, there's also a link on there to apply to be a guest. We'd love to have you on the show. Seth, thanks for being here today. Everybody have a fantastic rest of your day. Thanks, Jackson. Great chatting. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for giving us your time and attention. Have an excellent 